So we're in uh, the final week of our series on relationships beyond basic, um, because the Bible has a lot of really good things to say about how we ought to be living in community. And, and in the past weeks, we've seen that community is actually central um, to our identity as Christians, that we can't really exist as God's people um, without participating in this community together. Um, so we've, we've, do- we've delved into um, the foundations of that. Where, where do we even get this idea that we're supposed to be a community? We've delved into how to serve each other and how God has served us, um, how to be devoted to our community, to be devoted to each other, and how God has been devoted to us, how to comfort one another. Um, and all these things are, are beautiful, really amazing realities of things that we get to experience and participate in as God's people. Um, and they're all things that uh, we were invited into. God invited us into this through other people, more, more, most likely. Um, God, he, uh, at the end of Matthew 28, he challenged his disciples with the Great Commission. He said to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so, in some way or another, you've been invited into this community. This community doesn't exist without adding to it. Uh, in Acts, it says that he added to their, to their number daily. God adds people to our, to our community. And so, we, we've been talking about community for a few weeks, and we, we, we know how to do it really well now. We should all be pros on how to do community, how to do a relationship. If you're all not in a community group, let's go jump into a community because you know how to do it really well. But the fact of the matter is that there is a mission that God's on that he's inviting us into that we, are, that, that, uh, we ought to invite people into this, that people are supposed to be a part of this. We're not supposed to just, you know, this, the people that are in this room right now aren't the only people that are supposed to be a part of this community. Like, we're, we ought to be going out and getting people and bringing them to this community. Not specifically to this building, but to our homes, to our community groups, to our LTGs, just one-on-one, uh, two-on-two if you're a couple, five-on-five if you're a family. Um, but God is inviting us to welcome people into this community. And you could call this uh, evangelization. You can call it proselytization. You could call it witnessing. You can call it telling the good news. Um, God is inviting us into uh, inviting people into this. And I will be the first to admit that I'm not amazing at this. I'm not super, super good at, at, tell, at, at telling the gospel. Like, this is something we usually boil it down to is that, it, can you walk up to somebody and, and say, do you know the good news? <laughs> which, which doesn't really happen that much anymore because, I mean, it might be outdated. It might be hard. Um, you might think you're too awkward to do it. Um, you might think you might not know enough. You might just be fear, uh, uh, afraid of rejection. Um, you might be afraid of, you know, we just live in this a time of, of life where, uh, a time in society where you can't really push on anybody else's truth, you know, the, we're in the age of live your truth, um, and so if anything that kind of pushes against that, we're called offensive, um, we're called, we're, we're written off as, um, uh, you know, bigots or, um, you know, just closed-minded, um, so all these things can kind of hold us back from inviting people into this beautiful community that God is creating. <clears throat> And so when I consider, oh, we might consider that it's not the right time. Maybe I'm not mature enough. Maybe God hasn't built me up enough to be able to invite people. I'm not, I, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but as we're going to see today, we're going to dive into the Bible, into this biblical theme of hospitality. See, God, God uh, I, th- I believe that God has given us a way to invite people into our community that is, that is beyond our personality, our power, or our aptitude. God has given us a way to invite people into our community, and that is through way of hospitality. And it might not look like what you think about it. When I Google hospitality, it doesn't come up with sitting around a table and eating dinner. It comes up with beautiful hotels. It comes up with um, extravagant meals. It comes up with all these big things that are really unreachable for most people. 
And it's just kind of a, it's a false picture of what God is really calling us into, into how we ought to be inviting people into our community by way of hospitality. And so God invites us to join him in his mission, and this, and this biblical theme tells us who we ought to be hospitable to. He gives us the power to be hospitable to these people, and even models for us how this ought to be done. And so the answer to how God is calling you to, to invite people into his kingdom community, one way is through hospitality. But that's hard. We've already kind of talked about why that's hard for some of us. Um, but the very definition of hospitality, the, uh, the, the root word, you know, the word that we get from the ancient writings of the Bible is philoxenia, philoxenia. Some people would argue how you, how you pronounce that to me, but one of those words. Um, and it breaks down into philo, which is love, and xenia, which is stranger. Love of the stranger. And so right at the beginning, we see that hospitality is just hard because it's, it's loving someone who you don't know. What is a stranger? Like all of our lives, we've grown up been, being told as a little kid, I'm, parents, I'm not telling you not to tell your kids this, but we've been told stranger danger. Don't talk to strangers. Don't go near strangers. Strangers are scary. There are countless horror movies on the idea that strangers are bad people. Strangers are people that we are not supposed to approach. People, strangers are people that want to hurt us. They want to do harm to us. And so strange, just the idea of stranger to us is already like, so adverse to what we in our nature are, are like, feeling like we're supposed to be doing or, or want to be doing. But if we really take a survey of, of uh, what Jesus was doing in the Gospels, we see that Jesus is constantly calling people towards strangers, calling people out of their tribes or their colonies, out of the, their comfort zone, out of the, the community that they are comfortable with into a different kind of community. A couple examples is we just went, you know, we spent a whole year in Luke, so I encourage you to go back and listen to all of them if you, if you, if you, <laughs> if you weren't here last year. I'm just kidding. Just read, the, just read Luke, and then you'll get what these are. Uh, but there's so many different stories, and one of them is uh, Jesus, he comes to, a, he's invited to a Pharisee's house, um, and, and then a, a sinful woman, a, a, a defiled woman, uh, finds out that he's there and goes to, the, to this rich Pharisee's house. So the Pharisee is a uh, rich religious elite, and the woman is, is the lows of society, the bottom of society. And, and long story short, the, uh, Jesus is anointed by this woman in the Pharisee's house, so she actually ends up being the hero of the story uh, besides Jesus. Um, but Jesus' calling is, call, is calling these cultural lines to converge. This rich Pharisee and this poor, homeless, uh, like the dredge of society together. Another one is the story of the Good Samaritan. It's where the Samaritan is on a journey and he comes across a Jew that is um, hurt, that is about to die, actually. And a Samaritan back then, Samaritans and Jews were enemies, literally. This would be like, like a Russian coming across a Ukrainian or the other way around, a Ukrainian coming across a Russian right now on a path. Like, I don't want nothing to do with that person. But yet again, Christ is calling the, uh, using this story to illustrate that he's calling us to cross, to converge cultural lines, to, to love a stranger. And the woman at the well in John chapter 4, if you want to go find it, um, Jesus himself, a Jewish man, talking to a, an unclean, uh, unmarried, divorced woman, that that's, interaction is not supposed to happen. And yet again, Jesus is crossing the stranger line. See, if we take, and there's many more. Those are just a few different examples and examples that we have covered in the past year at church. That's why I brought those up. But Jesus is constantly calling us to cross this stranger line. And so why is it so hard to, to do that? If, if this is what Jesus is constantly modeling for us, then why is it a pain? 
the pain of hospitality. So stranger danger, we're not supposed to do that. Another thing is that I just naturally, if, you, if you're like me, you just naturally want to hang out with your friends. I have lots of friends, and, be, and I, just, I, I have lots of options to, to hang out with people, and so why would I hang out with someone I don't know instead of someone else that I do know? be much more fun, much more easy. We, I know we have things in common. I know we're going we're gonna to have good conversation and not going to be any awkward silences. I know what they like, probably. I know it, they know what I like. And so it's just to love the stranger is so adverse to who we are as humans at, in our sinful nature. And so uh, I, I read this book um, while preparing for this uh, by Rosaria Butterfield, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll you know, plug more into who she is later on in the sermon. Um, but she re- wrote this book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And um, she made this point um, out of the story from Mark chapter 1, um, the story of where Jesus healed the leper. Um, and so I'm going to read that to you real fast. Read along with me if you want. Um, then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now, you might, you're probably thinking, Dion, what the heck does that have to do with hospitality? There's nothing, nothing in there about hosting people. There's nothing in there about, about inviting people. The guy actually invited himself over. Um, but this is the point that Rosaria Butterfield makes is that, so if you didn't know, lepers were, were gross. <laughs> uh, lep- people that had leprosy um, were covered in boils and sores. And uh, if you look up a picture of a leper, you might have, you might have nightmares. Um, and in, back in this society, they actually sent all the lepers out of the town into their own colony. And so all these gross people lived together, where they, where they were cast out from the real society and then just kind of made their own society. And this was actually more comfortable for them, because in real society, people would run away from them. In real society, people would condemn them, because to have leprosy then was to have God's curse upon you. That meant that, meant that you did something, or there was something living in, in you, something in your heart, that God said that you should probably be sick for the rest of your life. That's what they believed. And so they sent all these lepers to this colony. And so this colony becomes this comfortable place for people. We all have this, uh, uh, in every human in them has, has, this, has this nature um, that I like to call tribalism. Um, we all kind of group up with the people that we know, group up with the people that we're comfortable with, maybe that we look like, that believe the same things as us, that like the same things as us. And there's like nothing inherently wrong about those things until they become the things that shut us off from what God wants us to do. And so this leper is a part of a colony, and the point that Rosaria Butterfield makes is that he had to leave his colony, he had to leave his comfort, he had to go into the stranger zone, into the zone where he was cast out, into the zone where people hated him, into the zone where people didn't want him there to be healed by God, to experience God's power. And so Rosaria Butterfield's encouragement to me, and now my encouragement to you, is that the first step in, in getting out of this painful process of trying to love the stranger, to love the neighbor that we don't know, is we need to step outside of our colonies. We need to step, step outside of our tribes. Yeah, these can be good connecting things, like I like a specific sports team, and so I will go, and I like to hang out with a specific sports team, or I like a specific sport, and I like to hang out with people and watch the sport that I like. Um, but, and so those can be good things, but other things like politics, uh, your, your views on, on, on racial justice, your views on, on laws, your views on um, just philosophies of life, we need to step away from those for a little bit in order to experience what God really wants us to experience. Um, and so, this is hard. And 
it's really only possible when we step outside of our comfort zones, step outside of our tribes, step outside of our colonies, and let God do the work, do the work in us. And so the next thing is that this is really only possible by the work of God. That God is the only place, that, the only person that we can get the power to be hospitable people, to uh, share hospitality with people. And so this theme is all throughout the Bible, obviously, um, but I think the most clear call to hospitality in the Old Testament is where we're going to start, is in Leviticus 19. Um, and so let's read in Leviticus 19, verse 33 and 34. He says, When an alien resides with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You will regard the alien who resides with you as the native born among you. You are to love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And aliens means foreigner, stranger, not Martians, uh, just to clear that up. <laughs> now, we might read this and see that you treat the alien, we treat the stranger well, we be hospitable to them just because we have been shown hospitality. And that is a, a correct theme, a correct pattern that we see in the Bible, but that's not the motivation or the power. Just because something was done to you, like, doesn't mean that, like, it means that we're supposed to do it, but that doesn't give us the power to do it. The power and the motivation for being loving to a stranger was that I am the Lord your God. God is the motivation. It's not that something happened to me and I need to do it. That doesn't power. That's action. That's law. Yes, we're supposed to do things. I'm not telling you to not do it because it's been done to you, but you're not going to be able to experience the joy or the, or the real um, blessings that come from being hospitable without knowing that the power for that is coming through him being our God. And so the point isn't to do it because it's been done to you. It is because they aren't strangers, because he is the Lord their God. I am the Lord your God are the first words in Ten Commandments. And so any good uh, Israelite back then um, would have known, would have been able to finish the sentence, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You see, the Israelites were once in slavery. They were once not even considered real people. They were considered tools for, for um, Pharaoh, for, for, a, for a government, for um, a ruler. They were slaves and mistreated and weren't a people of, of identity at all. They were just a people that existed to work. And God delivered them. If you've ever heard the, the story of, of, of God splitting the, splitting the Red Sea, my wife has a cool tattoo about it if you want to know about it. She'll tell you all about it. Um, but God delivered his people because he is the Lord their, their God. I am the Lord your God, which occurs dozens of, dozens of times throughout Leviticus. Earlier, um, it says that, uh, oh no, so he, it, it appears many times in its shorthand for I am the God who came when you were oppressed and I saved you. And so for the people of God in the Old Testament, the duty of hospitality came right from the center of who God was. I am the Lord your God who made a home for you and brought you there with all my might and all my soul. Therefore, you shall love the stranger as yourself. You shall be holy as I am holy. These are all commands that he goes through in Leviticus 19. Your, your values shall mirror my values. And so, so, so if, we're, if, we're, if the motivation, if the, if the power for how we ought to be a hospitable lies in who God is, we must ask the question, then, then, then what, is the, what, what motivated God? What, is God? what are God's values? Why did God come to Israel and show them such hospitality to rescue them from the refugee camps of Egypt and bring them home to the land flowing of milk and honey? Was it because Israel was really good? He saw them and like, that's cool. Well, I like those people. I'm going to choose them. Super virtuous, or was it because 
his own commitment to glorify his name by keeping his covenant promise to create Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into a people, into his people. I'll read you something from uh, Ezekiel really fast. He says, Then I thought, says the Lord, I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they dwelt. And so God's hospitality is, not, is, is motivated by his unwavering commitment to his glory, to, to, for his glory to be shown. I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned. That's what that said. So unless we can see that God's motivation is for his glory to be shown in the world, if, unless we understand that, unless, if we don't understand that, we don't understand grace. So the meaning of grace is, is the hospitality of God welcoming sinners, not because of their goodness, but because of his glory. So if God chose not to show the glory of, of his, if God chose not to show the glory of his self-sufficiency and instead enrich himself by looking for talented and virtuous and good people, there would be no grace in the world. No hospitality, no salvation. We, we wouldn't be able to be here. We wouldn't be able to celebrate God. We wouldn't be able to worship the goodness of God. We owe our life to God's grace shed upon us. And Grace is God's disposition to us. Grace is God's power to us. Now, we, read, we just read the Old Testament. That's the Israelites. What about us? Well, the New Testament says some good stuff about it too. In Ephesians 2, uh, Paul writes, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law, consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body, through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. And so now we are not strangers. It talked about circumcision, and that was the mark of, of, of God's people back in the Old Testament times was, was that, they would, that, the, the, that everyone would be circumcised, and that was the mark that you were a part of God's people. And now because of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we all have the mark of being God's people. So God was hospitable to you. God loved you when you were a stranger. There's nothing more strange than a perfect God loving a human that is destined for destruction. Like God showed his hospitality to you guys. And why? Earlier in Ephesians, just like we talked about, to the praise of his glorious grace, he predestined us to be adopted, to be, he saved us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. So again, why did he do it? For the praise of his glorious grace. His glory and grace is in there. And it's lavished on us. The definition of lavish is to bestow something in extravagant or uh, generous quantities. And so God's glorious grace, God's like what God is about, like the reason that God has delivered Israel, the reason that God has delivered you, it is the power that has been lavished on you, that has been given to you in abundance. And so by living in the faith of God, motivated by the grace of God that has been lavished on you 
for the glory of God. That is the power for our hospitality. And so the power of his grace for his glory can overcome your awkwardness, can overcome the thought that you don't know enough to invite someone into community, the thought that, that, that you're going to be rejected, the thought that we can't push against someone's truth. Like The, the power for, to get us through the, the reasons that culture wants us to not invite people to love the stranger is to live by faith into the grace that God has lavished on you for his glory. That is the power for hospitality, to invite people. Oh, that was something I forgot. To invite people into our community, into the kingdom community. And so we know why. We know this is hard and that God gives us power to push through the hardness. Um, he gives us power to, to do it. And God is so good that he shows us how to do it. And so practically, what does the Bible say? of how we do hospitality, how we show hospitality to people. If this is what God is calling us to, he doesn't just leave us, leave us, to, leave us to figure it out on ourselves. So I just have a few practical things that are from the Bible, not from just Dion, um, on how we ought to show hospitality to strangers. And the first is without complaining. 1 Peter 4, 8-9 says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. And so I want you to really think about that. It, anybody can like verbally not complain. Anybody can, can, can shut their mouth and, and just trudge through things. But if you think about it, the heart of complaining exists whether you're complaining or not. The, the, the darkness that is in there when we're, we're serving like exists or not. A better, in other uh, translation, it's, they say grumbling. Um, it's just like the, the inner like the inner complaint. That's the best way I could put it. Like, I'm, not, I'm doing this because I have to, not because I want to. But what I see here is that God, does, God, God wants you to be a certain kind of person. He doesn't want you to just be a person that, that trudges through commands of his and, and just does it and is angry about life all the time. If without grumbling or without complaining, it means that God is, wants to make you into a kind of person that experiences joy in this kind of stuff that is a hospitable person. Like a person that's mad about being hospitable isn't a hospitable person. There's someone who is being hospitable out of uh, duty. But God wants you to be joyful in this. God wants you to be a certain kind of person in your hospitality. God wants the people of God to be the most hospitable people in the world. And actually, give you a little history lesson, host hostels, hospitals, all that stuff came from the, were started by Christians because they saw a need and named it after the heart of loving the stranger. And so hospitals and hostels are things that, and hotels, that wouldn't exist without the Christian virtue, without the Christian history of being hospitable to one another. And so we, in, in, in this verse, I, I have to mention that it, does not, it doesn't excuse us from being hospitable to our, our current family of God. This, it says to maintain constant love for one another. So just because we are inviting other people doesn't mean you stop loving your current community. There's my plug about how to be good in your current community. Um, so you're not excused from hosting your community right now. This is part of continual deception. This is part of continual um, building of what God is creating in, in you and in your community. So without complaining, without grumbling. The next is intentionally. Two things, let brotherly love continue again. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. 
Share with the saints, this is Romans, share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. And so hospitality doesn't just mean you are, have a posture of uh, whenever someone comes across me, I'm going to invite them in my house. It means that you're going to do it. It means that you are pursuing people. It means that you're making uh, rhythms in your life, that you're creating um, space in your life to be hospitable to people. And so how do we be uh, intentional about it? Um, one thing that I always just like to tell people is make margin. Like if we, if we, as Americans, it's just so easy and, and like second nature to just, to just stack our schedules, to just make sure that we have something to do every night, to make sure that if I'm not working, I'm having fun. If I'm not having fun, I'm sleeping. If I'm not sleeping, I'm eating. If I'm not eating, I'm pooping. You know, like there's always something on the schedule. But to be intentional about hospitality, to be available to host people, to be hospitable to people, there needs to be room for that. And so we need to make margin in our lives to be hospitable to people, to make rhythms that can be disrupted but not destroyed. We need to pursue people and have your thing. Like, like God has made you a specific person for a reason. God has given you a love for the Broncos. God has given you a love for art. God has given you a love for music. God has given you a love for, for TV, for cinema, um, all you cinephiles out there. Um, God has given you a love for something. God has given you a, like, made you in a certain way for a reason. And so if you have your thing, use your thing to be hospitable to people. If you like going on walks, invite people to go on walks with you. If you like to cook, invite people over to eat the cooking that you, have, that you, that you make. If you like to watch the Broncos, invite people to come watch the Broncos with you. Have your thing and invite people into your thing. Be intentional about it. And there's this funny little thing that he says that says, some people have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Now, <clears throat> that might happen. You might invite an angel. They probably won't tell you they're an angel. <laughs> that might happen. But the way I see it is that angels are, are God's herald of blessing, herald of his word, herald of his goodness, and, the, and they really reveal um, who God is to people. That it, if we read throughout the Bible, that happens a lot. And, you, you just, and, and the way I see it is that you never know the blessing that might lie behind you extending an invitation, extending friendship to someone that is a stranger. I, I think of two specific guys in my life who, when I first met them, this was in college, uh, when I first met them, I, was, I knew I was not going to like them. I knew they were not my kind of people. One of them, my buddy Caleb, he's this you know, redneck country boy who... Uh, just obnoxious, and, it, and he would say he's obnoxious too. If he's watching, he's okay. Uh, just like totally opposite of, of who I wanted to be around, and he ended up being one of the grooms in my, in my um, wedding. Another one, John, uh, the, when I first met him, he was, sm- I, thought, I thought he was smug and cocky and, and just like loved himself, and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this guy in his place, and then he ended up being my best man three years later, four years later. Um, and so you just never know the blessing that might lie behind showing hospitality to people, to extending your invitation um, to people. <clears throat> so God, so through those, through those, through those things, we see that God is, wants us to be a certain kind of people. He wants us to be a kind of people that finds joy out of hosting people, finds joy out of being hospitable to loving, finds joy in loving the stranger. And he wants us to be a kind of people that is characterized by a life of hospitality, characterized by a life of, of, of loving strangers. <clears throat> not just do it, but be it, like embody it. That's not my last uh, um, practical advice, but God is, is, is transforming you to be a certain kind of person. So as we walk in faith by the power of his grace for his glory and in inviting people, this is what he is doing in you. <clears throat> 
Um, and an- another practical advice, um, and, and this is um, just, you, you, so God did save us for his glory um, by his grace. He saved us. And, he, and by that saving power, he restored all things. He restored, um, he restored the original creation order. He, he is restoring the re- original creation order in that he made humans in his likeness. He made humans to be like him. And so you are like God, like God made you like him. There's something about you. There's something about God in you. Um, so think about that the other way. There's something about God in every single person. Like if you think that you have nothing in common with someone or you think that they're weird or smelly or uh, they like the wrong movies or the wrong sports team. Um, it, like, if there's, if there's all these things that block you from being, from loving the stranger, the, the craziest thing is that something about God lies in them. And uh, in, a, in a book that was written by C.S. Lewis, uh, he, he describes how if, as, we, as we start to love people, as we, as we participate in community, we would be tempted to worship them because of the image of God that they embody. And so, no matter what differences that we have with people, there's always, we all have the same thing is that God lies within them. Something about God is there. That makes them the most interesting people in the world. <clears throat> the last practical example is by Jesus' model of feasting, of eating. Jesus has so many parables, there's so many lessons about great banquets, people being invited um, for, uh, uh, from the east and the west to, um, to eat together in the kingdom of God, um, and always inviting people to eat. Um, he, so he speaks of feasts, speaks of, of all peoples being together around the table, like as a picture of the kingdom of God, but he isn't just speaking about it. He's, Jesus, I really like Jesus, because he's always going to, or he's at, or he's coming from a meal. I really like to eat. And it seems like Jesus did too. Actually, 109 times is he's either going to, at, or coming from a meal. And you know how many chapters there are in all the Gospels? 89. So more chapters than there are in the Gospel, Jesus is mentioned to be have either having eaten something, be eating something, or having come from eating something. And so Jesus didn't just come to talk about a feast, but he came feasting. Uh, a, a scholar, Tim Chester, uh, like I said, we, we went through the, we went through the uh, Gospel of Luke last year. Um, he makes note that uh, the Son of Man came is mentioned twice in the Gospel of Luke. I need to get, put that away. Uh, twice in the Gospel of Luke, the Son of Man came. The first one is in uh, 1910, or one of them is in 1910. It says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And in Luke 7.34, it says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. So in other words, the Son of Man came, what he was doing, to seek and save the lost, and how he was doing it, eating and drinking. Jesus came and ate with, with the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows, and the middles of the middles, eating with people, inviting people to meals, inviting himself into their homes for meals a lot, actually. So if you don't have a home, invite yourself over to people's houses. <laughs> uh, a, a, a author and theologian, Peter Lighthard, uh, really illustrates this well. He said, for Jesus, feast was not just a metaphor for the kingdom. As Jesus announced the feast of the kingdom, he also brought it into reality through his own feasting. And unlike many theologians, he did not come preaching an ideology, promoting ideas, or teaching moral maxims. He came teaching about the feast of the kingdom, and he came feasting in that kingdom. Jesus did not go around merely talking about eating and drinking. He went around eating and drinking a lot. Or in other words, 
eating a meal together isn't just a sign of the kingdom, it is the kingdom. And so by being hospitable to people, by eating with people, we are participating in the kingdom of God with them. I don't know what your personal testimony is, but mine is in high school, I started going to this youth group. Um, with a girl I was dating at the time because I wanted to hang out with her, and then eventually um, became really close with this youth pastor and found out that he, he lived close to me. And I, I've been to church, like I, my grandma was a hard church goer, like I'd gone to church when I was a little kid. I've been there, heard the gospel, like heard it many times probably by this time, and I still wasn't a Christian. But then Carl Carnahan, this is the guy that led me to Christ, um, invited me to his house, invited me and some of my friends to his house. We ate Taco Bell together. We ate spaghetti bakes together, and we built tree houses together, and we worked on cars together. And through this act of him inviting me into his things, inviting me into his home and eating with me, is really what led me to be a part of the kingdom of God, to be a part of the community that, that God has, has called us all into. It wasn't just, I mean, he did speak truth to us, and we did talk about the good things about the gospel and about the Bible and everything, but it wasn't just the words that brought me to the kingdom. It was the invitation. It was the participation. It was the eating. And that book that I was telling you about earlier by Rosaria Butterfield, um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, a beautiful picture. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, so Rosaria Butterfield has a really cool story. Um, and I, want, I encourage you all to read this book. Uh, great practice. If you don't think you're very good at hospitality, um, read this book, and you'll be great at it, um, and you'll really believe in it um, if, you, if you don't believe in it right now. <laughs> but in this book, her story is really cool. She used to be a, uh, a, a lesbian, um, re- like ultra-liberal Christian hater. Like that was, and she would say that. Like that's what she would say at that time. And she wrote this uh, uh, op-ed, or just, it's an article, um, about why the church is bad for society, why Christians are bad for society, and got lots of mail, one, one of the categories of mail being uh, people that loved it, the other category being pastors and Christians that hated it, hate mail. But then she got one that was kind of in the middle, one letter that was kind of in the middle from a pastor who uh, basically wrote to her and said, hey, I, I think your thoughts here are really interesting. We'd love to uh, invite you over for, have you over for a meal and um, eat with you and just talk, talk through some of this stuff. And she, being a scholar, uh, being edu- an educator, she, uh, she was a professor, um, wanted to keep learning. And so she accepted the invitation, um, kind of going into the lion's den, the, her enemy, like the most opposite of who she would want to really interact with, invited her into their home. And through this relationship, through this participating in their things, in their, in their family life, eating with them is what really led her to, to the foot of the cross. And now she is, is married to a Presbyterian pastor and writes amazing Christian books about hospitality and gives really good talks about um, Jesus and most importantly, he's a part of the kingdom of God. So read that book, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, but if you, I, I, I hope that you're seeing here that, that hospitality is, is, is God's plan for bringing people into this kingdom community. Like whether that be going on walks together, eating together, doing your things together, watching football, playing music together, listening to music together, watching movies this is God's thing for you. This is God's plan for you is to, is to love the stranger. And one more thing about the feasting is every, every week we do this. Every week we signify this. Every week we celebrate this in communion. Every week we, 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 uh, 
we, we take the bread and we, and we drink the juice in remembrance of what God did and what God did, his, his feast um, of inviting people into community, into his community. He invited all people. And what we're doing is remembering and celebrating that fact. And so today as we take communion, remember that God was hospitable to you. Like God, God saved you through hospitality, through loving the stranger. Like I said, there is nothing more strange than a perfect God loving a human, giving his life for a human that is totally imperfect and destined for desolation. And so remember that and celebrate that as we take communion, as we signify the feast of the table that invites all people into the kingdom. And so we're all a part of this mission. And, and, and so even though you might not be super eloquent with your words, uh, might not be an amazing cook, might not have a, a dining room table, might not even have a living room, but we are all welcomed. We are all called to be a part of this mission that God, of God inviting people into our kingdom community. And so we must press into this calling. We must drive through, we must push through the hardness, th- through the awkwardness, through the doubt, through the fear of rejection, but not by our own power, by God's power, by God's empowering of you through his grace lavished on you. And he modeled it for us perfectly, being hospitable to loving strangers, by converging our cultural boundaries, by leaving our tribes. So this is the way. And guys, if you read Acts, the early church, they didn't have uh, boat dealerships to meet in. <laughs> they didn't have, they, they had homes. Like in, in the early church, we, we, you'll read that it says that he added to their number daily. And the way they did it was by meeting in their houses by inviting people to their houses. And so this is the way. This is the way that the, the, the kingdom, the, the, the Christ community really started and blew up is by inviting people into our homes. And if we, if we all do this, imagine. Like, like first you can imagine how full this room would be. Maybe we could do Easter again every day. <laughs> we need a couple more people on staff if we do that. But maybe we could fill this room. But maybe our vada could change. Maybe we could have an actual impact on, on like the light of the gospel right here in our city. Like what would happen if, you, if every single person here that has a home, every single person here that has a hobby, every single person here that enjoys a sports team invites people into those things? Just imagine. My prayer for you all is that God would give you whatever it is that you need to step into this calling. Whether it be boldness, the confidence, food, the joy of it. God, like I said, God wants you to be a certain kind of person. My prayer is that he give you the gift of experiencing joy of being hospitable to loving strangers. And invite someone. Like, invite a stranger to your house. <laughs> like, you never know the angels that you might, that you might experience. Like, like, someone can be so far as, as a Christian hater and through hospitality, be, become, a, become a part of the of kingdom community. And that someone might be right here. So I love you all. Uh, I'm going to pray for you. And then um, we'll take communion. The communion cups are in the back. Father God, we, uh, again, we just praise you. Um, we praise you for being hospitable to us. We praise you for loving us, for um, stepping through the uncomfortableness of your perfectness, coming into our unperfectness, imperfectness. 
and welcoming us into your family and making us real children of you, real, a part of your family. God, we love you so much. Um, and I just pray that this, um, this message ring, that this message um, create in us um, a fire to love the stranger, to not just be friendly, but um, to offer friendship to uh, the city of Arvada, of Denver, Colorado, the U.S., and the world. God, we love you and praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.